Welcome back to Inspired Incompetence, the mystery flavor of podcasts. How's everybody doing? It's probably mango. <laughs> oh no! I like mango. What if the mystery flavor was like spearmint or something? Everybody knows that flavor. Well, it's almost never like the same flavor. That's the whole point. It wouldn't be a mystery if it was always the same flavor. Well, I don't care what anybody says. Cherry is the worst flavor anything when it comes to like candy and shit. I like how cherry is always white for uh, like drinks and stuff because fruit punch is red. So it can't or like cherry has to be something that's not red. <laughs> right. Because red really? is fruit punch. Oh, so I hate cherry flavor so much because it, it just fucking it just tastes like medicine. It's like I'm taking I'm just taking medicine, but it's supposed to taste good. But it doesn't because it's medicine. You saying medicine can't taste good? What about that pink stuff? Fucking yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. That like amoxicillin stuff. Should yeah, taste that should amazing. Shit is the bomb. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not cherry flavored, so that's true. <laughs> All right, so we are still in the Blue Gardens of Tulil. Uh, you guys went down into the basement, and you made a new friend named. Paldarin, but as you uh, as you guys fought, as you do, uh, he seemed to uh, seemed to skedaddle. He just kind of opened up a like a fold in space and disappeared through it. So, a couple things on that. Uh, I don't remember who successfully identified Paldarin as a Shimtal. Uh, not Psychopomp. Uh, Sakil. Sakil, thank you. Yeah. I believe it was Tealith and Uhtred. That sounds right. Uh, you know that all Sakils have an ability called Skip Between. Uh, Sakils can shift between the ethereal plane and the material plane as a move action. This ability is otherwise identical to Ethereal Jaunt. And how does Ethereal Jaunt work? Ethereal Jaunt is a 7th level spell. You become ethereal along with your equipment for the duration of the spell. You are in the ethereal plane, which overlaps the material plane. When the spell expires, you return to the material existence. An ethereal creature is invisible, insubstantial, and capable of moving in any direction, even up or down, albeit at half normal speed. As an insubstantial creature, you can move through solid objects, including living creatures. An ethereal creature can... See and hear on the material plane, but everything looks gray and ephemeral. Sight and hearing onto the material plane are limited to 60 feet. Force effects and abjurations affect the creature normally. Their effects extend onto the ethereal plane from the material plane, but not vice versa. An ethereal creature can't attack material creatures, and spells you cast while ethereal affect only other ethereal things. Certain material creatures or objects have attacks or effects that work on the ethereal plane. And yeah, that's how the Ethereal Jaunt spell works. Um, So while it's on the Ethereal plane, would see invisibility allow us to see where it is? Uh, Yeah. See invisibility allows you to see Ethereal things as if they were normally visible. Uh, That doesn't allow you to physically interact with them, but echolocation would not let you see Ethereal creatures. That said, does anybody currently have seen visibility? Yes, I do. Of course he does. Of course he does. It's my standard. I put on see invisibility, echolocation, 
and like that those like the thing I put on when we're going into a dungeon. Yeah. Of yeah, course. I know cuz you're a prepared smart adventurer. <laughs> jerk. I'm mad. I'm good at Pathfinder. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, what's the range on sea invisibility? Is it just the range of your vision? Yeah, just that beings that are invisible within your range of vision as well as any that are ethereal as if they were normally visible. All right, well, that answers that. Um, yes, uh, so Paldrain had been the victim of a critical effect that basically made him uh, staggered for his turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he spent his one action uh, using his skip-between ability and is currently ethereal. Teoblith, you can still see Paldrain, and he is exactly where he was before he used the ability. I don't know if there's anything else to be done here, but for now, let's stay in initiative order. Teoblith can obviously, you know, say whatever he wants to at this point, but otherwise it is Arginus' turn. Is, is Arginus still Is fleeing? this the last turn, or is this the... Or is this the turn that I'm out of it? <laughs> I forgot Arginus is fleeing during all of this. I think last week I hit third turn, but I'm not quite sure on that. I think you did. It was at the very start, so I, I know it it would have started with, at the very least, my first turn. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll say that it is your turn, and you are freshly lucid and no longer panicked. I have no idea what's happening down there, so our genus uh, jumps. Okay. Um, how high up were you? I think it's only... Is it... You could only climb like 10 feet per round, so he's at most like 30 feet up. All right, well, give me an acrobatics check. And Arjunus's acrobatics being a uh, a very dexterous uh, sorcerer is uh, six. All right, Uh, so you deliberately jumped. So the first 1d6 will be non-lethal damage. All right, so 3d6... Arginus, you take three points of non-lethal damage. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh. <laughs> I thought that was complete damage. I was like, you rolled all ones. Yes. <laughs> nope, sorry. And then you take eight points of lethal damage, and you're prone. Right, great. Ah, uh, but you can move up. You can stand up as a move action, and then you still have a standard action. Because falling is a free action. Arginus stands up. And... um. I'm going to actually hold my action because our genus is just kind of fresh to the situation, unsure about where things are. So So what trigger are you holding for and what are you going to do once you're triggered? When that thing pops up, uh, our genus will do um, lightning balls. Oh, wait, this thing is not. He'll just do um, magic missile then. I forgot lightning is... He has a resistance. Yes, it yeah. defends against cold electric and sonic damage. Yeah. yeah. And in the future, you could just say, like, I'm planning on casting an offensive spell when they... Oh, they oh okay. So then you don't have to that... commit to a specific spell. Oh, okay. In that case, I'm just going to cast an offensive spell. And then it's Uhtred. Uhtred also got panicked at the very end of last week. Oh, shit. That's right. Yeah. That's right, he failed his will save like as the thing disappeared. Right. Okay, so we're gonna 
roll a d3. A one, Uhtred is going to flee to the west. A two, the ladder. And a three, Uhtred will flee to the, the east. Wow. Two. Now, would I keep fleeing if the source of what caused me to panic is no longer near me? Hmm. Because I think panic is like you flee from the source of your fear. Yep. I'm going to say that it is clear that the source of your fear, Paldernain, is not like... Like, he's not dead. He's not, like, gone from your life. You know that he is still active, so you would still be compelled to flee. And did I roll a duration on that? I believe yeah. it was a one. One round. So is compelled to flee up the ladder for one round. So he can get ten feet up the ladder by the end of his turn. And up next is Teobleth. Something that I just remembered is that Teobleth was fighting with his eyes closed, relying on his echolocation. Oh, yeah. So now that now that it's his turn, he will, you know, not, see, not sensing the creature in the room anymore, he will open his eyes to see that the creature is still there, just invisible. Very good point. Uh, Teobleth is going to kind of like wander into the room a little bit. Mm-hmm. He wants to keep an eye on this thing, like, out of the corner of his eye. Try and, you know, play it off like... Um, like, he also doesn't know where this thing went, mm-hmm. but he's still trying to, to keep track of its location. All right, so are you doing anything with your standard action? Uh, yeah, I will ready an attack with the bow. Yeah, just if, if it comes out of the ethereal plane, I will shoot it. All right. And then Thalias. Yep. Um, I've got nothing. I'm just going to wait. Can I heal myself? If you want. I do want. I'm out of combat now, so I can heal my hands. Yeah. You could full round action that. Let's do that. Oh, I only have two left. Woof. Well, that's what they're here for. Uh. Oh, natural 20. I'm the greatest. Heal for 28. Oh, fuck yeah. Nice. Because you just know he's going to jump out. Try and one-shot me. I don't think so, mister. <laughs> All right, it's Paldrain's turn. And unfortunately, uh, Teobleth no longer has his eyes closed, and he is susceptible to Paldrain's gaze attack. Now, you did pointedly say that you weren't looking directly at him. You were just kind of keeping him in the corner of your vision. So there will be a uh, 50% chance that you uh, will need to make a save versus the gaze. Okay. So, highs or lows? Lows. 83. Damn it. Uh, so, yeah, with give me a will save. All right. I'm going to use my uh, danger sight as an immediate action. Give myself a uh, plus seven on this save. Your sight's what got you into this situation in the first place. Right? <laughs> Crap. Damn. That is... Zero point. I don't have any. That's a 23 on a nat one. <laughs> Wow. Well, I mean, well done for having such a high uh, save. But yes, natural one will automatically fail. God damn it. Is that true? Will a natural 20 automatically pass? On a saving throw and attack roll, yeah. Oh, wow. And Teobleth, you are going to be panicked for five rounds. Are you kidding me? That's Teobleth for you. (laughs) Classic panicked boy. Yeah. Can't go one fight without shitting himself and running away. (laughs) Well, this is exactly why I bought 
my pelt of the Ulfin Wolf. Because it allows me to make a new save against fear effects every round. Nice. Um, all right, well, you are panicked. On your round, you will be fleeing in a random direction. Uh, but since you have seen invisibility, I will tell you that uh, before you turn and run, you are aware that Peldrenane has vanished through the northwestern wall of this room. He seems to not be sticking around to fight you. Uh, instead, he is just piecing out. Now, there's... Teobleth had to go and wreck the flow of things by getting panicked at the last second, but... Um, one other thing I wanted to go over, but I figured I'd wait until after the combat. But just in case, I'm going to go over it now. Before you guys made contact with Paladin, uh, Uhtred, uh, as he does, uh, was detecting magic. And I informed him that he was detecting no magic in this room. Uh, I was incorrect. There is a magical aura uh, that I will be happy to tell you guys about now. This is not coming from one single point in the room. You are detecting like a just blanket aura. And I'll give it to you for free. You know that it is a teleport trap spell. Oh, but what does it do? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. If we try to teleport into or out of, it's either it's one or the other or both. But um, it it does like a fuck ton of damage. Um, not exactly. Uh. Teleport trap wards an area, redirecting all teleportation into or out of the area to a specific point within the area determined by the caster at the time of casting. The destination must be an open space on a solid surface. The spell's area overlaps walls and other solid and liquid objects, preventing intruders from bypassing the ward by teleporting into a wall or through similar means. A teleporting creature that is affected by a teleport trap can resist the effect with a will save, if the save is successful, the creature simply doesn't teleport at all, but the use of the teleport effect is still consumed. So a teleporting creature that is affected by a teleport trap can resist the effect of the will save, but if the save is successful, the creature simply doesn't teleport at all, either to the intended location or to the teleport trap's actual destination. So basically the trap says, if you, tell, if you try to teleport into this area, or if you're already in this area and try to teleport, then there's one specific spot that you will get redirected to out of, like, it's not, it's, it's out of your hands. Like, wherever you want to teleport, it's not going to happen. It's impossible. You can either just make a will save and not teleport, or you can like, fail a will save and teleport to this specific spot that I chose, which is usually, you know, not good for you. Sounds kind of like the Witch Gates, but, you know, with a saving throw. The Witch Gates are actually a uh, teleport trap on a, like, national scale. Like, Tarbaphon took the spell teleport trap, and then he kind of went a little nuts with it. Um, at your discretion, that's at the caster's discretion, the teleport trap can exclude a category of creatures, such as an alignment, a type of creature, or creatures that carry a specific item or know a password. Though this only works if the creature is teleporting out of the area, not into it. You select this option and the conditions at the time you cast the spell. Overly complicated conditions may cause the spell to fa fail entirely. Multiple castings of Teleport Trap can be linked to cover a larger area, allowing teleported creatures to be directed to a single point within the combined area of the spells. As for what the area is, it is one 40-foot cube per level. The duration is one day per level. 
So, you know, if it's permanent, then it's permanent. If it's not permanent, well, you're still looking at, depending on when it was cast, uh, it not going away anytime soon. And that does only work for, like, long-range teleport, correct? Like, Dimension Door is still okay? No. Oh. Dimension Door is not okay. Okay. That was an exception for the Witch Gates. If I dispel magic, is that possible? It is a sp- it is an active spell effect. It can be dispelled. Ooh. But yeah, I just wanted to cover that now in case Matt decided that Teoblith wanted to use Dimension Door to get the fuck out. Yeah. Well, I mean, Teoblith does have other options to flee so he like that wouldn't be his only means of escape like i know i just wanted to uh cover it just in case um but yeah let's uh let's take it from there uh let's do a d3 for you uh well the other thing too is the the pelt of the elf and wolf what it says is um, you get a plus one morale bonus on saving throws against emotion effects. Mm-hmm. In addition, any round in which they begin their turn affected by a fear effect, they can attempt a new save at the beginning of the turn to reduce the severity of the fear effect from panic to frightened, frightened to shaken, or shaken to unaffected. Uh-huh. So at the start of my turn, I could make a, a will save to at least reduce it to frightened instead of panicked. Yep. Um, so I guess go ahead and do that. Uh, Uhtred, you would snap out of your panicked state uh, five feet off the ground on the ladder. All right. And that's a 28. 28 will pass. So Teoblith is now frightened. So he's still compelled to run, but he can now... He has more agency over where he's running. So you run. You still have to run away from the source of your fear. You don't know where Paldarine is now, but you know that he disappeared through this northwestern wall. But otherwise, yeah, you're gonna have to spend a full turn fleeing. What's everybody else doing? Are we are we out of initiative or? I mean, I guess maybe. I guess it depends on if uh, Teoblith says anything because he's the only depends one. Depends on you, motherfucker. Well, Teoblith knows that Paldarine. At least it looks like he has fled. Everybody else, I guess it would depend on, you know, what you want to do. Like, would like a full round is passed at this point, and no paldrain, no extra danger. Teoblith started running in fear suddenly, which might strike you as strange, since that didn't start until after paldrain disappeared. It's weird. Like, going up the ladder seems like it would make sense, but that would be closer to where the thing was. I feel like fleeing through this eastern door would probably be more uh, true to the spirit of fleeing from a source of fear. Yeah, all right, we'll try that. Well, you don't know. Maybe Tia looks like those stupid teenagers in the horror movie, right? <laughs> well, I guess Uhtred seeing Tia Blith running that way and coming out of being panicked himself, so not realizing... Probably that Teoblith is panicked is going to follow suit. Well, when it gets back to my t- turn again, I can make a new will save to try and drop this to Shaken, which will help. I can't believe this bastard fucking ran after all this talking. Uh, well, uh, what do we want to do? <laughs> um, well, it looks like Teoblith is onto something, so <laughs> just going to follow him. Oh, wait for me. Uh, Teoblith, give me a new will save. All right, uh, so that's an 18 on the the will save for the next round. That fails, so you continue fleeing. 
I think by now it would be pretty clear to everybody that Teobald is not just like, you know, I'll lead the way. Uh, he would be acting. Is he screaming? He's not screaming, but he is, is he like, clearly, oh my god! Like he's clearly fleeing. Like he's probably like breathing heavy. He's not communicating with you guys. Uh, he's like maybe like keeps like looking Teobald back over his shoulder, going off on his own, not communicating with us <laughs> is not an unusual thing. I feel like. And him being scared, looking scared, is not unusual either. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> None of this stands out as like anything other than normal. I mean, I think it's probably pretty obvious that he's not like, like yeah. All joking aside, he 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 gets feared more often than everybody else. But like, that happens in combat. He's not just like, oh, scaredy cat Tiablith, like running from someone saying boo. Yeah, but he's also out of combat just without relaying to any of us what's going on. Gone off in the direction and come back with trouble, so... Right, but again, he's not just like... He's not like swaggering his way up this hallway, like, out of my way, I'm in control. Like, he's... It's it's not... Can you be scared enough to just die? Because you wouldn't... Yeah. Because you, you wouldn't die and then be... Yeah, you, you wouldn't go to a lesser level if you had... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so scared I'm dead. Oh, but it's one less. And it's like, oh, but you're already dead. It's like, I don't know about that. Well, and that the uh, the ability that's doing this doesn't include that. It's just specifically Not panicked the, yeah, through okay. shaken. Gotcha. So, yeah, uh, just to back things up real quick, because we've been kind of uh, stuck on Teoblith running away and everybody following him, but... Uh, Teoblith opened the door on the eastern end of this room. So you've got like the ladder that everybody came down in. You've got this big central chamber that the ladder's at the north side of. Uh, flanking this big central chamber on the east and west are these little like antechambers. And on the western end of the western antechamber is a door. On the eastern end of the eastern antechamber is a door. And you guys are currently traveling... Uh, you, tr- you have gone through the eastern door, and you're going through this very narrow hallway, and it travels uh, about 30 feet, and then it, like, dog leg turns to the left. Uh, so it, like, doubles, it doubles back, and you're now going, like, northwest, and the hallway continues, and I don't know if anybody has dark vision with the range of everybody's you know, various senses are, but it eventually just disappears into darkness, this hallway that goes northwest, but not before uh, you can see a an offshoot. Uh, there's a three-way intersection, and it just goes back to the right, which you obviously can't see down yet. But Teoblith ended his last turn at, like, that bend, but he's still frightened, so take it away. I know the creature went kind of northwest that's kind of where this hallway leads is is northwest so would it be would it make sense to assume that this hallway like continuing to follow this hallway might lead me closer to the creature i think that since it disappeared through a wall uh it's really hard to make that call i think at the very least I mean, at, at a certain point at a certain point you just have no idea where it could be coming from, right? Yeah. So don't you just run in a direction that you don't see and 
Yeah, I cross your fingers. I think right now Teoblith is probably like it could literally be anywhere. I have to get away from it, but it could be anywhere, so I just have to keep going. And maybe once you got to this intersection, you'd be more inclined to go right since that's you know opposite where you saw it disappear from. Okay, and Teoblith is still flying too. His so sutured. Classic. It didn't really come up in that combat, but I think everyone had fly on them except Arginus. Yeah. Yeah, because Arginus was using his cloud thing. Everyone else had cast the spell. So you get to the intersection, and to your right, you see a 25-foot-long hallway that abruptly ends, and there is a door on the left. Uh, before you took that turn, you would have gotten a little bit more, uh, a little bit better of a sight farther down the hallway. You would have seen it continue to go northwest for another 60 feet or so before, you know, just more darkness. You can't see the end of it. Um, but there is a left-hand turn about 15 feet beyond the intersection that you just took. And then there's a right-hand turn about 20 feet beyond that intersection. But, yes, you take that first right because you're frightened. And that is farther away from the last place you saw Peldrain. And you get to the door, and with the rest of your turn, you open the door. Indeed. Uh, and bunk beds line the north wall of this large chamber. A table and pair of comfortable chairs sit in the corner. The room's only door stands in the south wall where you are coming from. And that's all you can see in this room. Uh, everybody else, I assume, is following Teoblith? Yep. We're, this is what we call dragon hunting. Where we follow Teoblith somewhere we don't know where he's going. <laughs> with no communication. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, with that, uh, Teoblith, why don't you give me another will save? 24. 24 fails. Holy crap. How many rounds does he have left? Yeah, I rolled five. Uh, I think that was... That was That was. That was for the beginning of your fourth round, I think. It was the beginning of my third. Because the nat one was the initial save, and then I've rolled three since then, so this is the beginning of round three. So yeah, uh, there's there's a room with some cots in it, and that's pretty much it. Uh, what's everybody doing? This place looks safe. <coughs> <laughs> is he in there, Teoblith? No. <laughs> no. Then let's keep going. Uh, go on. I'll I'll, I'll catch up. I just wanted to check this out. My God, why are you always scared in these fights, you big baby? I guess Uchi would check this first hallway on his left as he keeps going. All right. So you see uh, another five-foot-wide hallway that goes about 35 feet southwest and then ends at... It looks like it might be a room that opens up, but from here you can't quite see. But upon reaching... Uh, this intersection, you hear a voice coming down from that hallway. Yes? Who, Who's there? What do you want? How did you get down here? This voice doesn't sound the same as the uh, the ones we were hearing from telepathy. No, it does not sound like Paldrine. Okay. Are you thinking it's a wizard of, the, wizard of Oz type of thing where we found the uh, back room and he's been communicating with us? No, I think this is in Barna. Oh... Right. Forgot we haven't found him yet. We're looking for Paldurain. 
Is he, is he by you? Who are you? That's not of importance. Yeah, Uhtred's walking and talking, and I'm right behind him, supporting him fully. The voice says, Don't come any closer! I stop. Who's, who sent you? Nobody sent us. Uhtred's, Uhtred's not going to stop when he says, Don't come any closer. All right. You'll eventually come to the uh, southwest end of that hallway, and you are greeted by a very large creature. Uh, this big hulking mass of clay and uh, earth and maybe like thick tree bark. It's got these wicked gnarled vines growing out of one of its forearms and deep red crevices where its head might be are shaped into a sinister looking face and it lowers its vine-covered forearm in which ends in what you could only describe as a cannon and it fires on you that thing looks awesome and i do not want to fight this right now can we reason with it maybe well you guys were creeping down the hallway and not uh listening to the voice saying don't come closer that seemed pretty reasonable to me all right well everybody roll initiative okay initiatives Uhtred. 31. Teobloth. 18. Thalias. 11. Arginus. 11. What's your modifier? 3. Thalias? Uh, just the one then. Okay, we are currently in a surprise round. Up first is Uhtred. Remind me what the penalty for shooting... Well, hold on. First of all, do we get a knowledge checks against this thing? You can give me an knowledge arcana check. Can I do one too, just while we're doing it, or you want me to wait till I get there? Yeah, let's wait until you arrive. Okay. Uchi got a forty-three. Step aside, boys. Thelias time. Oh, natural twenty. Thirty-two. <laughs> <laughs> Eleven. Awesome. The pure spellcaster. This is a unique monster called a verdant bombarder. Uh, but it is very similar in design to a cannon golem. Randolph can ask two questions about a cannon, about a verdant bombarder, and Uhtred can ask four. Ooh. What's with the cannon? You know that, uh, the golem's cannon has a ranging command of 100 feet, deals bludgeoning and piercing damage on a hit with a times four critical multiplier. Uh, and it can fire two rounds in its turn. Okay, that sounds extremely dangerous. <laughs> okay, what's your second question, Randolph? Uh, I want to know how many hit points this thing has. All right, give me your best guess. I'm going to say 222. 222. Lower. Okay. Uhtred. Uh, How about DR. You know, they have uh, DR-15 that is ignored by adamantine weapons. So, any energy defenses? They resist the first 10 points of fire damage. Now, it's not just a big cannon. Looks like it, you know, it's like a any other golem or construct. So, is it safe to assume that if it's not shooting its cannon arm, its other one is free to make melee attacks? You want to know if it's got melee attacks? Sure. 
Uh, you know, it has two slam attacks. We got a fourth one, huh? I don't think it has any spells or spell-like abilities, so why don't you give me, like, one more cool offensive thing it can do? Sure. Uh, you know about its blasting critical ability. Uh, when a Verdant Bombarger confirms a critical hit with a slam attack, it can make one cannon attack against that target as a free action. Yeah, I think Uhtred is going to use a move action and prov- provoke an attack of opportunity. If he makes an attack of opportunity, Uhtred will use a swift action uh, arcana point to boost his AC. Um, so Uhtred, during the surprise round, moves into this room that's got this Verdant Bombarger in it. Um, I neglected to mention that this room, it's pretty small. Uh, As you're moving into this room, uh, you see large flowering vines run along the length of the ceiling, coming together in a tight coiling mass in the center of the ceiling, 20 feet overhead. The coiling mass pulses with light that alternates in hue between azure and gold. Vines hang freely from the ceiling. A few even reach the floor. Hallways extend from the southwest and southeast corners of this room, and a wide hall leads north. So you came from the southeast corner of this room. The wide hallway to the north, uh, you see standing at the precipice of that hallway, just 10 feet away from you, uh, a very stern-looking man uh, with short, dark hair. uh, And he's got a pretty impressive mustache. It's not a Roslar mustache, but it's pretty good. But yeah, you uh, you provoke from the uh, Verdon Bombarger, and he's going to swing a slam at you. Has isn't he still flat-footed? Because it's the surprise round. The Nutrid went first. Oh yeah, you're right. So that doesn't provoke. All right, and that's where you're going to end your turn. Uh yeah, I think I'll let the other two get punished, and I want to be there so I can't get uh, flanked with this guy coming down from the north. Alright. So yeah, uh, it's the Vernon Bombarger's turn, and it's actually going to use its turn, moving ten feet to the north. Which provokes. That will provoke. It's a 41 to hit. Yeah, that hits. And that's going to be 20 slashing damage. Okay. And what's your sword's current enhancement bonus? Plus five. Okay. Is that enough to overcome adamantine? Yes, it is. It's just enough to overcome adamantine. Thank God. (laughs) I mean, I have my adamantine scimitar, but I couldn't, like, get it for that attack. Right. All right, well, that will be the end of the Verdant Bombarger's turn. This man uh, that is now just to the north of... The Verdant Bombarger is going to take a five-foot step north. He's going to cast a quickened spell that Uhtred will identify as Blessing of Fervor. And you are aware that golems have uh, immunity to magic, uh, but every golem has special exceptions. Uh, that usually means that you can't like buff an ally golem. And yet... Uh, before your eyes, you see that this golem is being affected by this Blessing of Fervor spell. Um, for the record, Blessing of Fervor is a fourth level cleric spell. Target yourself and any number of allies. It's basically like the same targeting system as Haste. Uh, 
Uh, each person affected by Blessing of Fervor can choose one of the following at the beginning of their round, at the beginning of their turn. Increase speed by 30 feet, stand up as a swift action without provoking an attack of opportunity, make one extra attack as part of a full attack action, using its highest base attack bonus, uh, gain a plus two bonus on attack rolls and a plus two dodge bonus to AC and reflex saves, or cast a single spell of second level or lower as if it were an enlarged, extended, silent, or still spell. The effects are not cumulative with similar effects, so you can't stack that with haste, uh, otherwise it lasts for one round per level. So he does that as a swift action. The golem does this? No, uh, the man does. But he he seems to have targeted himself and the golem, which you know is normally not possible. Huh. I just didn't think he was part of the surprise round. I mean, yeah, he, he knew that you were coming around the corner and he knew that the golem was going to attack you as soon as you got there, so he's now going to cast another spell as his standard action. And Uhtred automatically identifies this as Unholy Aura. This is an 8th level cleric spell. A malevolent darkness surrounds the subjects, protecting them from attacks, granting them resistance to spells cast by good creatures, and weakening good creatures when they strike the subjects. This abjuration has four effects. Each warded creature gains a plus four deflection bonus to AC and a plus four resistance bonus on saves. Unlike the effect of protection from good, this benefit applies to all attacks, not just against attacks by good creatures. A warded creature gains spell resistance 25 against good spells and spells cast by good creatures. The abjuration protects the subjects from possession and mental influence, just as protection from good does. If a good creature succeeds on a melee attack against a warded creature, the offending attacker takes 1d6 points of strength damage. A fortitude save negates. And just like Blessing of Fervor, uh, it seems like he has targeted himself and the golem. What? And, that, and now this man and the golem are both shrouded in this dark energy. Real quick, I've been meaning to bring this up. Uh, I think it's pretty clear Uhtred's alignment has shifted from lawful good to lawful neutral. Uhtred was never lawful good. Yeah, I thought Uhtred had always been lawful neutral. <laughs> well, on my character sheet, it says lawful good. But I'll be happy to change that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you haven't been lawful good for a while now. I seem to remember actually bringing that up to you. Like, do you think Uhtred might be shifting towards lawful good? And you were like, nah. Yeah, he isn't. <laughs> not, with the, not with this unholy aura yeah, Especially not. not this second. <laughs> He's not having a come-to-Jesus moment. So that is the end of the surprise round. Let's start the combat proper with Uhtred. Um, also, while while this has been happening, uh, I feel like... Tia Blith is making we may have... incredible progress towards us, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll, uh, Tia Blith, give us your next uh, will save. That probably would have happened, you know, just before the surprise round started. That's another 24. He's a little bit more. I like to imagine Teoblith is literally hiding under the bed. Alright, up first is Uhtred. Alright, Uhtred's going to snap his fingers and produce his um, Staff of Frost. Okay. And he's going to cast Ice Wall right here. This ten foot little hallway trying to separate the golem and this dude that's casting spells on him. Okay. Uh, are you going to do that defensively? Uh, do I have to if it's through a staff? Uh, yes. Then yes. 
Uh, I'm not sure because it's it's because it's through the staff. I'm not sure what the DC is for it because it's not like on my spells. It's wall of ice. Wall of ice. Yeah. Wall of ice is a fourth level spell. And casting defensively is double the spell level. It's a DC 23 concentration. Uh, I can't fail it on a natural one. All right. What I would do is I would cast it so that it that fills that 10 feet across and then goes from the floor to the ceiling, whatever the height is. I'm sure it's not like over 100 feet or whatever the wall of ice lets you do. I believe the ceiling is 20 feet above the floor. So I, I, I would make sure it, it you know is like completely creating a plug in between these two. All right. Up next is the Verdant Bombarger. And he's just going to go for two slams on Utra. And I will Arcana Point myself. And I also still have seven mirrors, I believe. Oh. Because that guy in the other room never hit me. Okay. So 36 to hit. Miss. Uh, and it doesn't take a mirror. All right. And then a 35 to hit. Same thing. All right. Up next is Teoblith. Let's get that will save. My hero. <laughs> okay, so another will save. Hey, hey, 32. Okay, 32. You are no longer frightened. Yeah, now I'm only shaken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, your whole turn ahead of you. Yeah. All right, so Teoblith is going to fly out of the room with the bunk beds back down the hallway to the fork uh, northwest up the hallway to the other fork where I finally find the rest of the party and well I find <laughs> I hear fighting going on and I see our genus and Thalias and I'm like what the hell's going on what did you go what are you guys doing <laughs> uh, uh, there's a golem in there <laughs> uh, I think that's your favorite right He's got a cannon for an arm, so uh, I want to watch out. Oh, what now? Teolith almost starts drooling. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the end of your turn? Uh, yeah. I, it took me more than a move action to get here, and I'm not too interested in running into the room with a golem without the ability to do anything. All right, up next is Paldernane. As a move action, he steps out of the ethereal plane into the material plane. Dude just to the what? south of the Verdant Bombarger. And then... I feel like I would have seen him there from my vantage point down the hallway, wouldn't I? I mean, sure, but what would you have done about it? I could have at least said something about it. <laughs> <laughs> See something, say something. We both know you wouldn't have. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's Paladrain's turn, and he's going to touch all over Utrid. Now, if my D20 wants to roll above a five today, then I'd prefer it doesn't. That's something that we could uh, we could look into. Uh, Thirty-four to hit, miss. Okay, and Arginus. Arginus is going to. Uh, can he see him from the hallway? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Can I do a uh, magic missile? Sure. Pew, pew, pew. Give me caster level check versus spell resistance. Oh, uh, that's a uh, 36 with a nat 20. Yep, that passes. Nice. All right. Um, 4d4 coming at you. 5d4 plus 5. 
5d4 plus 5. I like that number better. Yeah. Yeah, weird. <laughs> uh, that's 15 damage. Okay. Hopefully when this guy disappeared, he didn't heal himself. Our genius is going to take a uh, five-foot step, not wanting to be in the way of uh, Tia Blitz range there. <laughs> Afraid I'm going to shoot you again. Virginia <laughs> steps to the northeast, uh, away from the combat, back into the intersection. Yeah. All right. Thalias. Hold on one second. Arginus, are you taking any measures to avoid Pauldrain's gaze? I, if I see him pop up into existence, I'm not going to look his direction because I've already basically like to target him with magic missiles. You'd at least need to be sort of looking at him to target him. You gotta look at his Jordans. Okay. <laughs> I'll look at the Jordans then. Alright. Alright. Um, and before you say anything, uh, Randolph, or sorry, Thalias. Randolph. I feel like I might have called you Randolph a couple times tonight. You know, I kind of love that there's confusion <laughs> still Randolph and Thalias. Yeah. It really feels thematic. Like, you call me that and I'm like, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what measures are you taking to avoid the gaze? Not looking at him. You're like closing your eyes altogether? No, I don't do that. All right, you're just partially looking at him. Yeah. Okay, continue. And I wanted to turn invisible, but now I remember he'll be able to see me. So I'm just going to say, there he is, that bastard. And I'm just going to lower my shovel and run at him full speed. You're charge? Yep. All right. Is this your champion charge? Hell yeah, brother. Let's hoping these numbers would be higher. I got a plus two on charge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 28 to hit? That'll miss. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, hmm. And that 24 is definitely not going to hit either. Yeah. And I, well, I charge heroically and fail. What else is there? Yep, yep, yep. It is the mystery man's turn on the north end of the wall of ice. And Uhtred, what is your... So you got a caster level of 13? 14. So this guy is going to attempt to dispel the wall of ice. We got a 26. The, the DC is 11 plus caster level fucking 26 I, he got it exactly so as a standard action he dispels the wall of ice and he's going to cast a quicken spell and a he's gonna first he's gonna take a little five foot step to the the west then quicken spell and he's gonna send a chain of perdition at Uhtred chain of perdition last one round per level floating chain of force with hooks at each End appear within unoccupied space of your choosing within range. This chain is a medium object that has 10 foot reach. Physical attacks can't hit or harm the chain of perdition, but to spell magic, disintegrate, sphere of annihilation, or route of cancellation affect it normally. Chains AC against touch attacks is 10 plus your wisdom modifier. Chain can perform the dirty trick to blind or entangle, or it can perform the drag reposition or trip combat maneuvers on your turn. Using your caster level and place combat maneuvers, wisdom modifier in place of strength. Chain does not provoke tax opportunity for making combat maneuvers. Suffers no penalty or mischance due to darkness, invisibility, or other forms of concealment. 
including mirrors. As a move action, you can move the chain up to 30 feet. If the chain goes beyond the spell's range or out of your sight, it returns to you. Let's do this. So he sends that chain after Uhtred, and he's going to attempt to trip. That's a 40 versus your CMD. Yep. All right, Uhtred is tripped. Up next is Uhtred. Uh, I guess I'll stand up. All right, that's going to provoke. Do the Verdant Bombarger first. Uh, I'll also, since I would have to reset it now that it's my turn, um, use a swift action on this to boost my AC. Okay. That's a 48 to hit. Oh my god. Yeah, that hits. Alright. Let's do mirrors. How many you got? Seven still. Alright, roll a d8. One is Uhtred. Eight. Now we'll do Paldernane. That's a 47 to hit. Yeah, that hits. Okay. It's going to be 19 damage, and now we get a little grab attack. 38 versus your CMD. Yep. Okay, and now he's going to constrict. You're going to take another 22 points of damage. Okay. Uh, You still have a standard action. Uhtred will... Being grappled is going to act... Doesn't that activate my boots of escape? Uh, Maybe. I think we went over this last week and it didn't. It was, like, entangled. We definitely didn't go over this last week. Once per day when the wearer of the boots is grappled, pinned, or entangled, she may transfer herself to any spot within 30 feet as if using Dimension Door. Well, look at that. That is so sweet. Unfortunately, you guys never dispelled that teleport trap. It's basically permeating the entire basement here. So then how did this guy teleport? He's probably he's the one that probably cast it. So, well, you know that he used his skip between that. Yeah, that functions as a therial jaunt, which is not a teleport effect. Now, here's here's an option for you. You can use Dimension Door and just let the teleport trap bring you to wherever it's designed to bring you. It would get you out of this situation, but it would put you into an entirely new situation. <laughs> situation roulette. I'm not so worried about the new situation. <laughs> I'm more worried about if Uhtred just pieces out, that leaves Thalias pretty much stuck to get waffle stomped on. When has that ever happened before? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Is this not the same character he started the campaign with? <laughs> Is it not? <laughs> so Uhtred's not going to activate his boots. Because he's going to remember when our genus was recently entangled and Thelias had his back. Mm-hmm. He'll just assume Thelias has Uhtred's back. So instead, I could either make a CMB or an escape artist to try and get it out, right? Or you can attack. Yeah. Huh. And our penalties wash, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like, I think I like attacking, actually. All right. No, they wash as long as you're attacking Paldernane. If you want to attack the... Yeah, he's the one grappling me, right? Yes. Can I make a call shot? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think I want to make a, a call shot to his arm, fishing for the crit, because I'm pretty sure the crit on that on the arm call shot is it has oh. like a chance to drop whatever it's grappling or holding. Okay. This is a good idea. That sounds good to me. No, no crit. 34. 34 will hit. 
Uh, it's a call shot to his arm, so I think he takes a penalty. A call shot to an arm deals no additional damage, but for 1d4 rounds, any attack rolls, ability checks, or skill checks made using the wounded arm take a minus 2 penalty. Okay, so I'll roll a d4. Sure. One. One round. Okay, go ahead and uh, give me damage. 18 slashing. Okay. Up next is the Verdant Bombarger. And it didn't really have any luck hitting Uhtred, so he's going to turn and start wailing on Thalias. 33 to hit. Ow! My AC is 33, bastard. And then 37 to hit. Oh, well, yep. First slam does 18 points of damage, and the second slam does 30 points of damage. Seems a bit much, don't we think? Can we negotiate that down? Is Uh, this like a medical bill? No. I think just like medical bills, it is (laughs) non-negotiable. Joe, I will remind you that you do have uh, the Bane legacy weapon is still active. Oh. Well, if I hit, I know I'll do more damage. Doesn't it also increase your attack? Yes, but it's it's against Evil Outsider, so it's only going to work on Paldorain. Like, once he's done, it's not going to affect the Golem or the guy. Um, something I forgot, uh, Uhtred. Uh, I know we already went through a whole attack and everything, but what what are you doing to avoid Paldrin's gaze? Uh, looking at it's uh, uh, like that partial look. Okay. I guess I'm just like was really fixated on its forearm because it's grabbing me. So that was the Vernon Barger. All right, up next, the Vernon Barger and ends its turn, taking a five foot step north, uh, truly closing off any advancements onto this uh, this other man. So the hallway. Only goes about 30 feet north before ending in a small room, and it looks like there's some sort of, like, workbench in that room, but you can't really see anything else. Um, and this mysterious man, whoever he could be, is only five feet north of the Verdant Bombarger. But it is now Teoblith's turn. Okay. Teoblith is going to close his eyes, step forward five feet down the hallway... And take a full attack and Paldorain, using his echo, using his echo location to to attack. Oh, sure. Jeez, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, but first, um, I'm gonna do one more will save to try and get rid of the shaken condition. Twenty nine. Twenty nine will shake off the shaken condition. Full attack, uh, no deadly aim. Why not? You scared? Scared your miss? I mean, kind of. You know what? I am no, going to don't, 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 don't let him talk. He's talking <laughs> no, no, no. because this guy's low on health. <laughs> no, I'm going to deadly aim and use my sudden insight to give a plus seven to the first shot. All right, all right. That's a good compromise. Get outsmarted. So that's a 44 on the first shot. Yeah, it's... Uh, so that is 54 damage from the, uh, from the many shot. Okay. Uh, Uhtred is released from Paldrinian's grasp as Teoblith uh, sends those two arrows right between his eyes. Right into his eyes. Called it. Okay. That makes me feel better. Yeah, if you're going to show up late but do that, I'm fine with it every time. (laughs) 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 Alright, well, I guess I don't need to keep firing since I can't see anything else. Um... 
I think I technically still can't have a... can hear anything else. <laughs> uh, I would say I could do a move action, but I can't because I do many shot, which is only part of a full attack. And you five a step before that. Right, but like the move action to do something else, but I can't cause, because of many shot. Right. So, yeah. So that is my turn. Okay. Up next is Arginus. Arginus. I don't know about anyone else, but I would love some haste. Yeah, uh, well, so that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. The way you do it is you make your you make yourself in the middle. Well, the problem is line of effect. Like, I don't think yeah. both Teoblith and Uchard could get it because there's a wall separating us. Well, I think I could get... Um, Randolph, right? Yeah, I could get Randolph, which I think we've in the past allowed it to... Well, you, I think the way haste it, it's works... It's not going to hit me. I don't care about no, it hitting me. But I think the way haste works is like it has to be... You have to target tar- them. You're, it's not an AoE. Yeah, yeah, so you still have to be able to see Uhtred to target him with it. Oh. I mean, I, I don't need haste, Tom. All right. Uh, I mean, I'm going to give out haste. I'm going to give haste out anyway, so haste to uh, both Elias and Teoblith. And Arginus. And Arginus. I rarely get into that action, but yeah. Hey, listen, that one extra you see could come in handy. Mm-hmm. All right. Up next is Thalias. All right. Uh, so I'm hasted now. Sweet. Uh, I'd like to turn invisible. So I will turn invisible with my greater invisibility and I will move away from this square. Okay. Over to the side, basically opposite of where Uhtred is in the room where this guy's in the middle. So Uhtred is to the uh, southeast of the Verdant Bombarger, and Thalys is to the southwest of the Verdant Bombarger, which is not a flanking position. All right, and now it is uh, this man's turn. Uh, he's first. That uh, chain of perdition is going to go for another trip on Uhtred. Uh, it's less stellar. That's a 26 versus Uhtred CMD. Nope. Alright, he's going to, as a swift action, cast Bless, giving himself and the Vernon Bombarger a plus one morale bonus to attack rolls. He's going to take a five foot step north, and then he seems like he's holding an action. He's also kicking himself that he forgot to do this until just now, but as a free action, uh, he shouts, your tricks of illusion will not work here, or my name isn't Umbarno Zipali. And on the southern end of this room, uh, this rune glows on the floor, and a symbol of revelation activates. What? And so it is Umbarno. Apparently so. Were we supposed to take him alive or everyone but him? Marina asked if it was possible to get Mbarno to surrender peacefully. Okay. Seems like we're not on that path, but maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So creatures affected by an illusion glamour effect, creatures with a shape changer subtype, or creatures that have magically changed their shape are all outlined by a pale light that functions like fairy fire. 
except it lasts for 10 minutes per caster level. The symbol does not otherwise reveal their true form. Once triggered, the symbol remains active for 10 minutes per caster level. Uh, and I looked it up. Mirror image is an illusion glamour, or illusion figment effect, not an illusion glamour effect. So the real Uhtred is not lit up by mirror images. But uh, Thalias, who is invisible, is lit up by fairy fire. So he is perfectly visible. Uh, but he seems to be holding his standard action for something. All right, uh, Uhtred, it's your turn. I'm just going to take a five-foot step towards the west. Then he'll make a full round attack. Alright. Just out of curiosity, why step there instead of stepping into a possible flanking position? Where do you see a flanking position? Like if oh, you would step right, north... That, that's, uh, the, that's where the chain is. Well, the chain's positioning doesn't really affect anything. Like it's not taking up a space. Yeah. And it, and it can always just move after you, I think. Yeah, also it's got a ten foot reach. Well, that's why I originally took the five foot step this way. So next time when I five foot step, it would yeah, that's not be in reach. It's it's a, like a mobile spell effect, so you're not gonna get away from it. At least not five foot stepping. Then I'll just get up, do uh, go take a five foot step north to set up the flank. All right. Uh, it's a thirty seven to hit. Yeah, I'll hit. Uh, nineteen slashing damage. Okay. And then. The second attack was a 23, which I'm going to assume doesn't hit. That is correct. I think that's going to be all I have. Yep. Up next is the Verdant Bombarger, and it's going to slam slam on Thalias. Yeah, you know, I was a lot more protected uh, when he couldn't see me. That's, uh, that's pretty unfortunate, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fortunate for Uhtred, though. Yeah. No, true, true. Although, what's your health at? 80. Huh, you're fine. Probably. Yeah, I healed myself for 28. It's pretty uh, pretty clutch, apparently, now. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's going to be 44 to hit. Yeah, 44 hits. Okay. And 43 to hit. Yeah, that also hits. All right. Oh, uh, you're going to owe me a fortitude save, too, versus the unholy aura that's on it. Of course I am. But we'll resolve this first. First slam deals 20 points of damage. Okay. And second slam is 17 damage. Okay. You want a fortitude save, you say? Yes, please. Or it's my good one. 33. All right, no strength damage for you. Whew. Just hit point damage. Yeah, quite a bit of it. And after slamming Thalias twice, the Verdant Bombarger is going to take a five-foot step north. Uh, and that's going to bring it completely out of this room. It's now, like, just taking up the entire width of the northern hallway. But that will also, uh, trigger Umbarno's held action. He's gonna cast a spell, and that spell is called Blade Barrier. Oh, come on with it. An immobile vertical curtain of whirling blades shaped of pure force springs into existence. Any creature passing through the wall takes 1d6 damage per caster level, maximum 15d6, with a reflex save for half. If you evoke the barrier so that it appears where creatures are, each creature takes damage as if passing through the wall. Each such creature can avoid the wall, ending up on the side of its choice, and thus take no damage by making a successful reflex save. The blade barrier provides cover uh, to AC and reflex saves against attacks made through it. Uh, and he's going to 
put that blade barrier right there. So, Uhtred, I'm going to need a reflex save, unless you want to stay in that square. No, I don't think so. And just to uh, be clear, uh, right there is the northern, the northern uh, end of this room from east to west. So this 10-foot hallway ends, and just south of that is this blade barrier before you get to this larger room that everybody started in. It's a 33 reflex. All right, the 33, Uhtred is able to move five feet south and avoid all of the damage. That was a big one. Yeah. Because you know his caster level is pretty high, right? That yeah. wasn't going to be right. single-digit D6s. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was the Bombarger's turn. Now it's Teoblith's turn. Okay, Teoblith is going to fly into the room hastily. Mm-hmm. And he sees a potential toy to play with. So he's going to go ahead and use his last fifth level spell slot to cast Object Possession Greater on the Golem. Yes, please. 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 Uh, all right, give me a caster level check. And what was the DC? It's, is it 15 plus the hit dice? It's not a caster level check. It's a spellcraft check. And it's 10 plus the Construct's HD. Okay. And my spellcraft. My spellcraft is plus twenty-four. So I. Oh, you know what? I never made my knowledge check on this thing. So can I uh, try and get a little? Oh, yes. A little info here. Sure. That's a net twenty for a forty-four on the knowledge. Cool. Kind of. Kind of wish I had just gone for the spellcraft if yeah. I was going to net twenty it. But <laughs> seriously. You can ask four questions about a Vern Bombarger. All right. Um, can you tell me how many hit dice it has? I'll let you play the hit dice game. Okay. So I'm going to say 20. You got it exactly. You get Ooh, both showcase nice. showdowns. Nice. <laughs> oh, dang. All right. So, that's, so that means it's a DC 30 for my spellcraft check. That's a pretty good shot. But I'm going to finish my questions. I got three more. Yeah. Um, let me know how this thing is being affected by his spells. Oh, good question. Hmm. That is less a question about this creature and more of a secondary thing. I will... Yeah, fine. I'll, I'll tell you that this creature has a sort of... Uh, it has, like, an additional attachment that is like plugged into it that is uh i can't think of words tonight i'm sorry it's got a uh, wi-fi adapter for spells <laughs> it is attuned specifically to umbarno okay so umbarno can affect this golem with his spells as long as it has this attachment in it but nobody else can except for the usual uh the usual exceptions that golems have. All right. Well, what are the exceptions for this golem? As question number three. I was hoping to go over this after the fight because it would have made Tom so upset. <laughs> <laughs> My God. A Vern Bombarger is immune to spells and spellic abilities that allow spell resistance. Certain spells and effects function differently against it, as noted below. Any spell with the electricity descriptor that affects a Vern Bombarger renders its arcane cannon unusable for one round. 
A shocking grass spell additionally causes the Bombarder's cannon to instantly backfire, dealing 66 points of damage to the Bombarder and staggering it for one round, no save. Uh, and those are the two exceptions. Sweet. So, electricity, go. Um, one more, how does it perceive? You know that it has dark vision and low light vision. All right. Okay, then spellcraft for the object possession greater. All right. That's a 32. That is enough. Yeah. Theobleth takes control. We're the greatest. Of the Verdant Bombarger. It's not over yet, though. That is correct. Uh, it is Arginus' turn. All right. Uh, Arginus is going to take a five-foot step out from around that corner and do dispel magic on that upli- uh, on that barrier. Blade barrier? That blade barrier. Let him rip. <laughs> that's what I was going to do on my turn. Yeah, I mean, that's the smart thing to do, but I was really hoping to kind of make that golem step into it. <laughs> you mean after you turn around and blasted that dude in the face, right? Yeah, I was basically going to have it take a five-foot step south and oh, then turn around and just blasted. blast the guy. <laughs> that's not bad. That's not bad. Do you need a roll or do I need a roll? You roll a caster level check against the effect of the spell, the yeah. level of the spell. Got it. Caster level check. Activate. Ooh, a 31. Now is that... I see 15 plus 16. So do you have a plus 2 from like pierce... Yeah, to like piercing spell, I think. For spell resistance, uh, he has a uh, spell penetration. Spell penetration, right? So it's actually twenty-nine, but it would be thirty-one versus spell resistance, correct? Uh, I believe so. I just want to make sure. How does that work? Wait, what? Because you have the spell penetration feat, yeah, which gives you plus two to your caster level checks to overcome spell resistance. My caster level says that's sixteen. Right, but you're a 14th level caster. That plus two was added in there for spell resistance purposes. There's no way to just like do one or the other. Oh, uh, okay. A 29 is still going to be enough to, over, to uh, do the targeted dispel magic, and the blade barrier is dispelled. Uh, go get it, boys! Uh. <laughs> okay, and up next is Thalias. Um, Thalias, for a second, thought that he would have some time of not getting hit and hurt. Because he couldn't go through that barrier. But now that it's down, uh, I guess I'm going to run into Barna. The golem lets him pass. Yeah, it's an ally. That's true. All right. Uh, but first, I'm going to lay on hands. J-I-C. 12. All right. And I'm going to go in and attack this man. All right. Hiya! Shovel. Clunk. 31. 31. Hits. Yes! Uh, 31 damage and one acid. Okay. And now it is Umbarno's turn. He looks panicked, outraged, uh, just so completely unhinged right now. Wow. I'm stronger than I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Thalias comes up and he gives him a whack with his shovel, uh, and he he's he's aware that Thalias is there and he's not happy about it, but he seems to be mostly like just gawking at his golem that is no longer obeying him. And he looks southward at Teobleth, who he watched cast that spell, and 
and he says, No, 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 you will not take my golem from me. I lost everything, not my bombarger. And he's going to move 10 feet north, which will provoke... Attack of opportunity him. Yes, you do. Yes. Yes. Come on, big time. No, natural one. I'm the worst. (laughs) Roll to confirm. 44. Frig. 44 will not confirm. He's then going to cast a spell. And and Uhtred and Teoblith automatically identify this as the spell Death Clutch. Say what? Death Clutch. Chanting an unholy litany, you reach out with a grasping motion towards your target and cause its heart to leap out of its chest and into your hand. Tiablith, give me a fortitude save. Uh, I'm going to head an immediate action. Use my uh, danger sight to give myself a plus seven on this because fuck that noise. <laughs> God fucking damn it. Oh my God. Matt. Tell me you have a hero point. No, we went over this last time I rolled a natural one this episode. <laughs> so that's a natural one so, for a fucking 24. So Teoblith, who was already slumped against the far southern wall, uh, his upper body just kind of heaves forward for a moment, and everybody looks on in horror as his chest explodes open and his heart like zips into Umbarno's hand still beating and we'll see you next week that's fucked up dude on the inspired incompetence podcast that's really fucked see ya <laughs> oh my god see ya see ya, see ya.